Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike, Mike Zlatnik, and today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my really good friend, Matt Burke. Hi, Matt. Hey, Mike. Great to have you come back. Uh, it was great to see you uh, just a week ago at the very best summit. Yeah, yeah, I was I'm glad you made the trip out west, so thank you for coming. Thank you kindly for putting it together. You always put on a class act. These, these events are just uh, second to none. So it was just a privilege to come to the event and uh, we're absolutely delighted to be working with VeryVest and your team. So thank you for putting on such a great event and running such a great organization. Yeah, of course, our pleasure. Yeah, we're glad glad to have you as a supporter and um, thank you for coming and for being there. Thank you so much. So now let, let's jump into some uh, new developments uh, and you, you, you are great leader of the SBRE space, small business real estate space. And we're living in the changing times and they're changing in sort of a negative direction. The interest rates are rising fast and furious and we're experiencing um, very dynamic environment, a volatile environment, uncertain environment. Investors are getting concerned, nervous. So what's your general high level view directionally? Where are we going? When is the... Uh, the challenging times going to end or we got to buckle up for still the uh, turbulent weather for the next, I don't know, 12, 12 months, maybe longer. What are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, um, I don't suppose I'm more of a, of a uh, future fortune teller than any of any of the next guy, but I would say Mike, I mean, you just have a lot of confluence of factors that are uh, making things extremely uncertain right geopolitical events war um rising rapidly rising interest rates inflation you know the the aftermath of covid it's just really hard to sort through all the noise and figure out where exactly things are going and i certainly don't pretend to have any magical answers if i was to give you my best personal guess i mean i think you're going to see a fair amount of turbulence for the next year or two um, I, I suspect interest rates slow the increases slow down and hopefully peak in 2023. I think that would be a positive development for for the markets. Um, and I and I, my guess is that's the case, but but again, I don't I don't really know. It's very difficult to say. Yeah, and that's a very humble position, very realistic position. None of us knows. And those who claim to know, they're probably going to be wrong most of the times. Yeah. I mean, I tried, you know, as you well know from dealing with us for a long time now, I mean, we try to stick as much as we can to just fundamentals and when we're doing, when we're investing and, and dealing with uh, the market, which can be hard to do, right? It's, it's, and it's hard to do that even when times are really good, right? Because there's a lot of pressure to do things and do deals that everybody's chasing deals and pouring money at it. And then now the, the pendulum has swung the other way and now everybody's afraid and not doing deals and backing off and it's harder to raise capital. It's harder to identify price. It's harder, you know, as you know, volume has dropped off dramatically. So, uh, you know, interesting times for sure. And I would say been through enough, you know, ups and downs and recessions and, and, uh, you know, slowdowns over the years to know that it all comes to an end sooner or later. And just some are more painful than others. And, 
you know, how severe this one will be. I don't think it will be as bad as the Great Recession, you know, in the 08 to 10 or 11 period. But uh, who knows? You know, I mean, I think the geopolitical events, you know, our situation with Russia and China and, you know, what's going on in the war in Ukraine. I think that that can play a huge part in it that uh, is incredibly difficult to predict. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. The, the geopolitical uncertainty is uh, as high as it's been in a while, in many years. But um, so how, how would folks make decisions in, in this environment? Do you basically turn off the faucet, just go concentrate keeping cash, which also erodes its value during uh, inflation? You're still, you're still selecting deals. You're still trying to... Um, identify good projects in both from equity and debt investment. Obviously in this environment, debt investments look a little more appealing. And before you go, I'll just make one comment. I had a call today with the uh, developer in Miami, really smart guy. And um, we looked at one of his projects and the conversation went like this. When they started uh, the project, they ran the numbers and it took them you know, good amount of time to entitle land. But the interest rates have gone up so much that looking at the project right now, the numbers just don't make sense. You 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 can you can complete the project. You can develop unless the market substantially increases rents. These debt service just erodes all the returns. Um, so the project doesn't make any sense. And over a period of you know short six months, a project that looked reasonably feasible now looks like you got to pass completely. Walk away. So what are your thoughts today? What are you from investing perspective? What are the opportunities? What 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 to put fresh dollars in this environment? <clears throat> yeah, it's a challenging question, Mike. I think there's a, a pretty wide spread <clears throat> between bid and ask right now. Buyers and sellers are not really coming together. And so I just see deals not happening at the moment. So I think you're going to see for at least the next rest of this year and maybe into next year, you're going to see a significant drop off in deal flow. I mean, deals that made sense six months ago don't even come close to make, making sense today. Um, and it's happened rapidly. So um, I think for us, we're really focusing on managing the existing assets that we've got, right? I, I mean, and even those, depending on what kind of debt you have and where, where you are in the life cycle of your business plan, right? Each one of those has its own set of challenges to to deal with and some are better than others right so i think for us it's focus on asset management and keep our eyes open for new deals and very very selectively tackle things that make sense in today's current environment and and i think you haven't really seen the distress happen yet and remains to be seen if it's going to happen you know in a big way at all um, I was certainly expecting that to happen in the aftermath of COVID and it never really materialized, right? The government threw uh, amazing amounts of money at the problem and, and really, um, you know, didn't, didn't allow for the distress to happen. But now you're seeing the aftermath of that with it, which is inflation and other things. So um, I think you just, same thing, Mike, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to fundamentals. Don't do deals just for the sake of doing deals and, and pick and choose your battles extremely wisely. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, focusing on existing portfolio, uh, making sure that it, it is safe and sound, and if there are cracks in the ice, how we can fix them. And um, back to the portfolio management discussion. So, 
what does your team look look at today? At the assets themselves, uh, debt maturities, uh, the need to refinance, the increase in the rental income, the ability to refinance. Almost like you have to buckle up for the point <clears throat> where either debt matures or you're trying to sell and you can't sell for the price you, you want to sell. Right? Is that is that the train of thought here? Yeah, I think it's all of the above. And I think it depends on the asset, right? I mean, there may be tenants that are coming, uh, you know, coming due or leaving and you have to retenant the building. You got to get occupancy up. It may be you've got variable rate debt and all of a sudden your debt service is higher than it was previously and you have to you know, recapitalize the deal or, uh, you know, so in some instances you have to make capital calls and in other instances, I mean, you know, you just got to take every asset and deal with it one at a time and, and confront whatever the brutal reality is on each asset and deal with it the best you can. Right. So I, I don't think there's a broad statement other than, proactive asset management where you really dig in and figure out what your what your risks are and what your realities are and then take as whatever steps you can to try to correct that as quickly as you possibly can yeah understood and then that that's that's a great wisdom instead of looking for uh, bright and shiny objects and new deals um getting the house in order uh, but only yeah, and I, I think for a lot, a lot of guys, you know, I mean, a lot of uh, real estate entrepreneurs, depending on your business model, that can be challenging to do, right? Because you, if you're relying on fees associated with the closing of new transactions to meet your overhead obligations, that's a tough position to be in, right? Because then you sort of have to do deals. And, and you know, as every entrepreneur, real estate entrepreneur knows in a market like this, it's much harder to raise capital. So you, you've got the combination of you need to do deals to get paid and you need to raise money to do deals. Investors are more reticent to put their money out, you know, and you've got a portfolio of however many assets you've got that you're working on that need attention. You know, where does a person spend their time? Right. And human beings are wired to, you know, you do things based on, on necessity. Right. So I just think you, Ideally, you know, you want to try to build a business model in such a way as to not be forced to have to do deals and you don't want to have to be forced to sell into a bad market that is going to, you know, cost you because you're having to give away properties, uh, you know, or assets at a fire sale price. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, under ideal circumstances, uh, all of us need to uh, uh, walk and act like uh, Warren Buffett. Sit a lot of cash, have no urgency to invest. <laughs> Which of course is very difficult to do, right? Yeah, but that's that's a classic example where it's very slow patient. <clears throat> Just read a lot, think a lot, and uh, don't don't be pressed to take action and wait until this crisis and somebody knocks on your door and and says, uh, "Hey, can you help us out? You got you got the uh, the ammunition." But that it's, aside, a, it's a bit of the nature of this business, right? I mean, that's why people sort of come and go in the industry, right? Because, you know, things are good and a lot of people pile into it and then things aren't so good and a lot of people have to pile out of it. And, you know, it's an ever-evolving kaleidoscope of, of uh, <clears throat> people and businesses and companies and deals that, that you just manage through the best that you can. I think if people are committed to it in the long term, 
you know, you learn how to build a company and a business that hopefully can weather these storms, right? But the storms are going to come at various intervals. You just don't know when and you don't know how long they last and you don't know how severe they're going to be. But, you know, you, it's like it, you can't really prepare for the storm after it's already arrived, right? You got to do your preparations when the weather is good. And that's uh, that's hard for a lot of people to do in my experience. Yeah, and that, by the way, a lot of credit for to you and your team for running a very uh, steady ship over the years. And I've, I've certainly been an observer of that. And we, we what, what I see is just a lot of what you said, a lot of operators, they do good when the times are good and then some uh, tremors on ice or some cracks on ice and then they fall and they reappear a year or two later with mm-hmm. a statement, uh, well, I'm different now. The business is different now. I've learned <laughs> the lessons. And, and I literally just got a couple of these folks reappear. And we, we know they ran the business not very well a couple of years ago. And when the times were still pretty decent, now they're coming back forward with new deals and they're claiming to uh, be able to operate much better. And my question to them is, what has changed? I mean, well, how are you, besides the fact that you, you believe you're different, uh, what evidence do you have that now it's going to be better? And you're entering into a very difficult market anyway. Yeah, you can always form a new entity and then, you know, you can conveniently forget about the names of your prior entities when it comes to proffering your track record to other people. And, you know, we, we see that all the time. Well, that's back to very best, right? You, you, you do it at very best. You verify track record and that's exactly what people do. They hide uh, difficult projects. They just kind of conveniently disappear. And then you you got to go dick. And, and it's not easy to find some of these challenging no. projects. No, and I, I'd say across, you know, hard to believe, Mike, but I just crashed into the 30-year mark on starting the company last uh, September. So in 30 years, I've seen a pretty large number of managers come and go who um, – you know, who maybe didn't always deliver what they what they thought they were going to deliver. So it's, you know, it's a dangerous landscape. And I'd say it's it's an exciting landscape in the private real estate space for investors to find, you know, good opportunities, especially in the inefficient and fragmented small balance space, right? That's if you know what you're doing, you can you can really do well, but there's also a lot of danger. So you gotta you gotta pay close attention to what's happening in the space and um, and nothing's foolproof, right? This is investing at the end of the day. It's not it's not without its risks. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. And one of the biggest challenges I see is just pe- pe- people are, they don't, they look on the surface, unfortunately, uh, including a lot of, a lot of smart investors. They, uh, they look at the uh, top line projections. They look at the uh, optimistic views and uh, nobody wants to look at the worst case scenario, and that's that's the di- big difference between um, prudent operators. Yeah, and I would tell you, you know, I mean, if you think about it, Mike, I mean, you look back on the last uh, decade, right? In 2013, the Jobs Act came out, and and general solicitation and advertising was then legal. That gave rise to crowdfunding. And then you saw a whole bunch of crowdfunding sites that that I, I you know, in my judgment are you know kind of pretending to be real estate experts and and you know figuring out technology to allow a greater number of people to come into the space well that all coincided almost perfectly with a 10 year increase an uninterrupted increase in 
uh, you know, the market and the valuations, right? It just, it, it, up until now, it has not gone in a negative direction, really, aside from, you know, the blip during COVID, which was super short-lived, right, until the government started pumping money into it. And it's just been an upward trajectory the entire time. So for the first time since 2012 and the tail end of the Great Recession, now all of a sudden you're starting to see a very different and difficult environment. And I just think that a lot of people did a lot of deals that the market covered up, right? And it's going to be interesting to see over the next year or two, right, kind of who's who gets hurt, how bad do they get hurt, what does that look like, what opportunities does that give rise to? You know, how does it change the landscape going forward in terms of, the, you know, crowdfunding and general solicitation and advertising and investors being able to find investments in the private space, you know, on the Internet? And what, you know, what is the next generation of all that? I think this uh, disruption is going to to really impact all of those things. And, and I think it's a wide open market space that's still very much in its infancy in terms of how technology is impacting the world of private real estate investing. So in some ways, it's kind of an interesting time. I mean, you know, it's a scary time with all the things that are happening in the world, you know, and technology changing rapidly, but it's also super interesting to see how it's all going to come down. Well, I mean, look at the crypto. I want to deviate for, for a second from real estate uh, and just yeah. say something that looked bright and shiny and absolutely exciting for a while uh, can crash and burn fairly quickly. And it hasn't burned completely, but it, it's burned quite a bit. And uh, it's just, uh, I'm not saying the same is going to happen to real estate, but uh, there's a possibility of substantial correction. And uh, the, the one thing that um, th that you said, and I mean, part of what you do in Verivest is, is try to um, make a difference between the winners and the losers. It's sort of uh, back to your book, Capital Attraction, that, that the, uh, the, the long-term great managers at the end of the day will attract long-term capital, but the short-term capital is just, is too, uh, too unpredictable. So um, where I'm going with this is um, on a forward basis, again, hopefully we don't see a massive crisis. If we do, obviously we're going to have all kinds of problems, but if it's a mild recession, Fed induced with rapid, rapidly rising interest rates, um, how do you see things playing out? And I, I know it's a crystal ball question, but where I'm going uh, is um, you're looking to just get more investors on sidelines ready to deploy capital. How, how these deals are going to transpire, where the opportunity is going to um, arrive. When do you know uh, now is the time to bring in big guns? Because I go back and I think, uh, and I, I just finished reading the uh, oh, a few times the book, uh, uh, called the Lord, the Lords of Easy Money, about the Fed action and how they they've caused uh, partially they've caused some of these issues. This inflation was years in making, and it was kind of triggered by the government spending uh, a lot of money uh, battling COVID. But they have tremendous power, and right now we, they, they they're doing what we haven't seen in in in, in forever in, in a long time until the inflation of the eaves. So uh, the, the, the damage could be very, very substantial or it could be mild. And they may just decide to stop and say that's enough. And they've, they've demonstrated their will to do this. So just just trying to foresee um, 
where are we going to be? And then the other question I was asked literally today, I'm just curious your opinion on this. What, what is the terminal uh, rate on, on, on the Fed's funds rate? Are we 200 basis points away, 150? Um, when, when, when are we going to stop? Uh, and the reason it's important is yeah. if you can if you can foresee this and when the, they start easing, then that's the time to go in. Yeah, I mean, best guess, personal opinion, another 125 basis points, give or take a little bit. Best guess, you know, I think longer run, I mean, what happens to real estate in the short run, you're going to see a downturn in values because just with the capital interest rates higher, it's just, it's a natural outcome of that, you know, but I do think that once it goes the other direction, there's still an enormous amount of capital allocated toward real estate, you know, with, with these large funds and large pension funds and, and, uh, um, and even high net worth investors. I mean, it's extraordinary amounts of money that are interested in the alternative investment space, and that's only getting higher. So I suspect once it stabilizes, you'll see more money pour back into it. And even if even if the yields are tighter, I, I, I think you'll see a downturn to some degree in the valuations, but then it bottoms out and continues to stabilize and move back in the other direction. Is that a year? Is that you know eighteen months? Uh, again, best guess. I'd say middle end of next year, maybe into twenty four, uh, something like that. I, you know, I think the crypto stuff, as a you know, you mentioned crypto. You're seeing it. You know, it's big news right now, right? With <clears throat> with what's going on <clears throat> uh, with the failure of of the you know the big crypto uh, outfit. But the I think in the long run, you know, Bitcoin and other forms of digital currency are super viable. And I think they, they are going to have a real place in the world. And I think they're going to recover. I mean, a lot, anytime you see new technology like this, it's pretty common to see it. You know, it goes crazy in the beginning. Everybody gets excited about it, but it's super new and unproven. And then everybody gets super nervous about it and then it crashes. But then eventually, once it becomes mainstream, I, I don't see how that doesn't last and become a, a big part of, of society over time. So, uh, you know, it's just everything goes in cycles and everything has a shelf life. And, you know, some of it is a matter of perspective. I think humans have a recency bias, right? They always look toward things that have happened most recently. And, and generally people think things are either better or worse than they really are. And, uh, you know, hopefully you just kind of power through it and do what you need to do and come out the other side and stick the fundamentals along the way that's that's the best i know how to do yeah that, that's a great wisdom stick with fundamentals almost hilarious to the point where it's both it's common sense and it's completely uncommon and i'm one of these folks that um my wife says just don't do any drastic moves never just operate slowly and and when there is a any kind of urgency obviously if your your kid is bleeding you got to take him to the emergency room but unless there is a real emergency, don't act like there is one. So. Yeah. And people have a tendency to overreact, I think, sometimes. So um, it, it takes a lot of discipline not to. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's a great wisdom, fundamentals. Matt, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, how would folks get a hold of you? Uh, Veryvet.com, fairwayamerica.com, any any other way? <clears throat> yeah, you can reach me at either place. It's, uh, it's Matt dot burke b-u-r-k and either at fairway america or at veravest.com but matt dot burke at fairway america or veravest.com thank you kindly appreciate your wisdom
it was great to see you again a week ago. And uh, I yeah. guess we'll, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.